Well, hello, everybody. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Daniel. He reached out to me, and he said he has some wonderful information that belongs to the New Earth versus the New World Order. And he sent me an email, and he gave me some conversation points of what he wanted to talk about. So it was very, very interesting. And this is going to be episode seven. My goal is to have 12 videos. I already got two more people in the lineup for for two more videos and stay tuned for those but i'm very excited to hear what daniel has to say about the new earth and versus the new world order and so daniel tell everybody what do you do and what you want to share sure thank you for having me so i do a variety of different things i am also a quantum healer i've been trained in uh, beyond quantum healing I also have a depth hypnosis certificate. I have a master's degree in psychology and I support dreaming. So I'm, I work with the mobile dream app, uh, Dreamwell, uh, which teaches mindfulness, sleep techniques, and dream techniques. So if you need like dream journal assisted, uh, mobile dream journal, plus uh, support for uh, sleeping well, being well, or dreaming well, that's the place to go. And then I work with people in uh, the field of ET contact. So I, I do support people who have had these extraordinary contacts contact experiences with extraterrestrial or extra dimensional beings, generally through regression hypnosis for the service of understanding the missing time. It's not necessarily like uncovering memories per se. This is something that I, uh, I have a little bit of a scholarly platform to speak on in terms of like what we're actually doing with regression hypnosis, but I believe it's creating the causes and conditions for integrating these extraordinary experiences, which are actually gateways to this sort of like new earth, the, the higher dimensionality. And so that's, that's really what I've been up to and focused on for about a year or two exclusively. Um, and I, I was trained about actually now like 10 years ago with uh, the depth hypnosis. So it's been a while. I'm, I'm here to talk about the book of galactic light, which I put out last, last year, um, recently published. And that is specifically to talk about the history of new new world order type experiences, uh, ET contact and new earth um, through the lens of looking into the historical lifetime of Dr. John D. and Edward Kelly, who were 16th century scholar, magician, um, scryers. The way I got contact or in in connection with that history was when I was in a psychology school and when I was doing hypnosis training, I, I got really excited about the work of Dolores Cannon. I was like, this is amazing. This blows my mind. I can't believe you can have someone go into trance and talk to these higher density beings, higher dimensional uh, ET beings. I was just amazing. And then somewhere, somewhere along the line, I came across the story of Dr. John D and Edward Kelly. Dr. D, you can even think of him like a hypnotist. I and I I started studying his work because I believed, right? So five centuries ago, Dr. D was like working with people in trance. He was inviting them to, into a trance experience. They were seeing things. He was asking questions. He was writing it down. They were providing things like light language, which we're now receiving. Um, and so it's, it's, it felt so uncanny to look back in the history and go, wow, all this stuff that I got really excited about with 
QHHT is actually talked about five centuries ago. What's up with that? And so uh, that was, I, I started investigating that about seven years ago, eight years ago. I looked at his magic mirror in the British Museum. I did a lot of work around exploring mm. that. And I had some experiences that just freaked me out. I, I got a mysterious blood infection that I needed to resolve through through like spiritual means, I shut the door to a lot of these different aspects until I started practicing as a hypnotist. And I said, in this field of ET contact, and I said, I need, I need to go back to that time and that historical complex and kind of understand it in order to be present with my clients and help them in this state. So the book I'm talking about now and all this stuff is coming up and out of that inquiry about like who Dr. D was, what this means. Um, the final thing I will say uh, before I open it up to any questions you have about it is like the one of the reasons why I'm looking into that particularly is Dr. D was an advisor to Queen Elizabeth I. So he is, he's literally the template we have for Prospero in Shakespeare's Tempest. He is literally like, he's, he's sort of like modeled after the Merlin character. If you imagine Elizabeth being the Arthur character and he, he coined the term British empire. So uh, he was very central to this notion of he wanted a unified political body across the world, right? So this is very similar to New World Order type ideas, but also yearned for a kind of new uh, new earth experience in that sort of Christian millennialism type apocalyptic yearnings. So it's I, I'm talking about it and I'm trying to get the word out because we're not without historical precedent for this moment now. 500 years ago, 600 years ago, they were doing the same thing. And so I think it's relevant actually when we are now living in this new world type situation in the British Empire to go back to those initial moments of contact through this kind of hypnotic quantum style style interaction with uh non non-human intelligences yeah that's that's really what i'm about that's what i'm here to talk about you mentioned dolores canon which was it a book or a video that caught your attention god it must have been a little bit of both i didn't actually read any of her books until the last three years like i, I read about her i read some of the work i watched some of this stuff and i said this is fascinating i have to get into it um it took me a while actually i didn't actually look i didn't go into the qhht methodology the quantum because i have a degree in the history and philosophy of math and science and i was like i i, I was so mm -hmm. arrogant i was like i cannot see this being quantum these people clearly don't understand what quantum physics is. Ah, interesting. I, I was I was too pretentious to think that someone someone like Dolores would actually understand about uh, quantum quantum science and things like that and accurately apply the term, <laughs> you know, and, and sort of and, and, uh, work with that uh, metaphor in a very accurate and powerful way. So it was only when I, I decided, I, I said a prayer to be of service to others. And that really has been a humbling process of going, oh, I actually need these tools. And that's when I got trained in uh, beyond quantum healing is after, after realizing that my intellectual pursuits up until that point were not necessarily all the preparation I needed to work in this field. Which books did you read? You said you read a few of her books last three years? Yeah, uh, Custodians. I keep coming back to Custodians. Okay, uh, that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> and so I've, and then I flipped through the the convoluted universe. I've got a Kindle whenever I, Kindle or like the EPUBs and I search, I, I use it to search for quotes and stuff. Yeah. 
perfect. My mm-hmm. favorite's number two. And of course, because it has a Atlantis in it, of course, that that would be my favorite. Yeah. But for Dr. John D, I know you mentioned Queen Elizabeth and everything. So he was around the 1500s. Uh, yeah, the turn of the, he died at like 1607 or 1608. He was born, I don't know, maybe 80 years before that, 70 years before okay. that. So it was the last half of the 1500s. Um, yeah. Now, was he one of the guys that, that did the black obsidian mirror or he did a different type of method? This is where we get the black mirror from is, uh, so there's a little bit of a historical thing that's happening. After his life, he was denigrated and kind of cast down as like a Satan worshiper and like, Mm. and and all this kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So he was like erased from history. It's only in the last 20, 30 years, there's this sort of de-renaissance going on. It's hard to get historical information. That obsidian mirror, there was an obsidian mirror that is associated with Dr. D. Um, that's the one I visited in the British Museum. That is traditionally associated with the, but these scholars sometimes say, oh no, he actually used a crystal orb given to him by the Archangel Uriel or this other thing. Mm. And there, it's hard to tell what exactly happened. Regardless, the mythology says, yes, he did use an obsidian mirror for the scrying purposes. And then science now um, in the last year has determined where that where that obsidian mirror uh, in question came from. And that looks like it came from, uh, uh, it was stolen, it looks like from the Aztecs, uh, where it was like placed in a mural of the god of divination that would be like the eyepiece of the god of divination so it was taken somehow by one of the colonizers to dr d uh and then apparently he he probably used it but uh, we don't have historical records saying he actually did yeah because the reason why i bring it up is because wasn't nostradamus part of the didn't he use a black obsidian mirror he used used something else like i hear different things like he used this black liquid as as water and then i heard no he used this mirror looking thing that was black and i'm like okay so maybe he used both so i wanted to get your opinion on that from best i understand he used cup that was like a stone cup and it was coated with a black substance very similar to the obsidian mirror um there there's notions around this sort of like uh, black ooze or, or like the cabal stone being a kind of uh, a con- conduit or something like that. I'm not exactly sure around how that works. I know I did a D- John D. study group. I know uh, Candace Craw Goldman, who BQH president, and, and shared a story about how um, Nostradamus knew about the future events. And he says, well, I was talking to uh, spirits from the future. And we know this story with Dolores and her clients right, and things right. like that. So um, the, it's really an interesting combination. I uh, I was inspired to write this book actually in part because I felt the, it, what seems to be the presence of Dr. D in a UFO. It sounds so crazy, but it actually inspired <laughs> me to do this work. I was like, my wife saw a UFO at the same time as I went into meditation. And I had this whole kind of meditation on the karma associated with John D and ET contact. A couple other people saw the UFO and they told me about it and I was so jealous. I, I was like, what was I doing? And then I, I remembered, oh, it was is I, I had this sort of spirit communion with what I think was like Dr. John D in, the, in like a UFO. In any case, the uh-huh. substance to that kind of experience is, is, is it's just inspired. It inspired me, even if it was a fantasy or something like that. Uh, it inspired me to, to think of D as someone that maybe be like uh, Nostradamus was to Dolores Cannon. And there, there's 
perhaps fluidity to the, particularly that time period, I feel like it, it is sort of cycling in our, in our sphere now when we're talking about ET contact, colonization, new earth, new world, that sort of thing. <clears throat> now you mentioned Dolores Cannon. Was that when you started to awakening to a certain things or was it before that or was it something else that made you start questioning and realizing certain things? I've always been interested in dreams and things like that. And I I basically yearned for understanding of the cosmos. I went through, I, I started off studying physics, thinking that would be the answer. I was like, no, that's definitely not the not the path to like the kind of spiritual understanding I want. Then I studied history and philosophy of math and science. At that point, I got so overwhelmed by the history of intellectual pursuits that I went into arts because it was a direct experience of beauty, which I equated to be truth and going, like, oh, I can get an answer there. From there, I started studying dreams and meditations because I was very inspired by the work of uh, Kandinsky, the modern abstract expressionist who, who says like the role of an artist is to be something like a priest and to go further within the self so that they can bring back substance for the the people, basically. So that's what I saw myself doing. I engaged in a series of like meditations. I I worked with out-of-body experiences for a while, like astral projection and things like that. I had some experiences that provided confirmation that the spirit exists outside of the body, right? So it's like in... Basically, I saw my grandfather die unexpectedly, and it was confirmed at that moment, like right after he died, my mom called me and I was like, I, I saw a spirit pass over. So at, at that point, I, I said, wow, this is, this is something real, like more than just internal experiences, there's some sort of existence to it. And that really opened me up in that exploration. That's when I got contact or like got in contact with the notion of like hypnosis and service to knowledge and understanding. And that's when I got connected with Dolores Cannon. Yeah. And I think if I remember correctly, it took you a couple of months to write it, if I ain't mistaken. Yeah. Where, where uh, a lot of the information comes from, is it from like your dreams? From your sessions, the Black Mirror? <laughs> oh yeah, the Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what happened was I got to the point where I realized, um, so I've been studying this this work, uh, Dr. D's work, and thinking about it uh, him as like a proto-hypnotist and things like that. So I did a lot of study initially, and then again, after the seven years after I started getting into it. So that's where a lot of the information, intellectual information came from. I did a nine-week study group, the one I mentioned with uh, Candice Craw goldman participating. I had about 12 other participants. It was like a really beautiful time. We we covered a lot of stuff. The, the syllabus for that is on my website, and I, I give a summary of that. And then I realized that I needed to do the rich. There was a ritual of celestial communication or angelic communication that Dr. D and Edward Kelly channeled from these non-human intelligences, uh, angels. They called them angels. Uh, I have this suspicion that they might be extraterrestrials or something like that. Um, but there was definitely, there's definitely a language that they channeled. I mentioned this light language. So there's this whole ritual of uh, establishing a, a temple space with this glyph-like language. So there's at the different corners of my room or different edges of my room, there's actually the, they call them the Enochian tables. So there's these tables of these glyph-like words and I'll pull some down if you're interested. And, <laughs> uh, and so 
Uh, I did that. I established the temple furniture and I, I did the ritual of communication, which some people see as a 30-day ritual. Some people see it as a much longer ritual. And so basically that is chanting in the language that the uh, angels provided Dean Kelly to create a space. It's sort of a trance space. And then look into the obsidian mirror that's sitting on what they call a holy table. It's sitting on a lot. There's a lot of information there in terms of like it's magic seals sort of stuff, magical stuff. It's, it's kind of cool uh, from like a LARP, like live action role play point of view. But it's I, 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 I thought it was wonderful. But I actually did. I woke up uh, every day for 30 days at about 3.30 and mm. I chanted for about 30 minutes to 45 minutes. I said long, lengthy prayers. And then I recorded what I saw in the obsidian mirror. And it was a scrying activity. I didn't actually see it in the obsidian mirror. It was rather interesting. I mean, I was, I, I, I've tried scrying before. I never saw anything. I never actually saw anything in the mirror itself. But I have these sort of, uh, I had to say, I'm seeing these things. I'm seeing this and I would describe it. And that's where, the, that's where most of this book comes from, is the transcriptions of the, the rituals of communication um, and so that's why half of the book is basically like, I see this figure, he's enrobed, he's taking me to see this thing, they're telling me to say this uh, sort of thing. And that's why I say the book is co-authored by the celestial beings is because they provided these visionary experiences that I transcribed. Um, I do have supporting material before and after those rituals in the book to give sort of a context. If you're curious, some of the work is, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's complex, it's weird stuff, but there's enough references in the book. You can go down your own rabbit hole and start exploring your own self to see how those, how that ritual might unfold in your life. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So with the mirror, the obsidian mirror, you weren't seeing stuff in the mirror, but you were seeing stuff in your mind kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a mind's eye perception. Um, okay. it, it was a, it was a focal point. It's definitely like the object of medicine. So using, I use my, my meditation practice to be present there. So I was with my breath, that sort of thing, sitting in a kind of a meditative posture, I would focus my eyes on the obsidian mirror. And then in the second sight or the mind's eye, that sort of mm -hmm. thing, I would, it wasn't, I mean, it's, it's one of the strangest things. Cause I, I felt the presences of angels and they didn't look like anything at all. They felt like frequencies. And so sort of like a, a imagination. I, I think of it as like an imagination with a sense of gravity that will tell me things if, if I'm not acknowledging them, like, because I, I feel, I feel these promptings where it's like, they, they really definitely want me to say the certain things or, or describe these specific experiences. Yeah. Perfect. And any links that we talk about, like for your website, your book, you can buy, you can get your book from Amazon. Any of those links will be in the description below. So if you was to see me in an elevator and you told me that you wrote this book, what would you tell me to best subscribe your book in the elevator? <laughs> God, I don't, oh God, I know, right? I would say this is a transcript of a ritual of angelic communication from that comes from the work of Dr. John D. five centuries ago. This is central to the British Empire. This is one of the uh, most uh, public expressions of this ritual that has happened ever, but it is the ritual itself is uh, central to Western esoteric traditions like Thelema, 
Alistair Crowley's work, Jack Parsons, the Jet Propulsion Laboratories associated with this. So now Scientology, the uh, British Empire in itself is actually constructed as a notion by the man who established this ritual. So it's a really big deal. It's so strange that we don't actually have, we're not taught this in school. You have to figure this out. Um, this is really an expression that is guiding uh, or inviting you to see the, the secret history of, of our world, basically. So if there's a certain section that's, that's in your book that you highly recommend for people to check out, what section would it be and why? Hmm. Uh, I know your book is about 300 pages. I know, I know you're like, oh, there's so much. Yeah, uh, I would say actually the the preface, the introduction, and the appendix. These are me talking about why it's important, and I I end every single chapter with like, and you can do this too, and you don't have to go to these old rituals of communication. You can tune it into your own experience, and so that that's where I would. Be. I really want to inspire people to make contact themselves with these angelic beings, with extraterrestrial beings, whatever in whatever way is meaningful, and it also talks about the history because as a regression hypnotist i know it's really important to to relive and to acknowledge some of the actual things that happened in our world and this is one of the things this moment of contact between john d queen elizabeth edward kelly and the the angels the ets it really did inform us coming to north america it really did inform how this english english language went across the globe. And there's, there's a reason we have to keep coming back to that. That's why I keep coming back to this, even though it's hard to discuss, even though it's complex, even though it's esoteric, I'm like, it's important. It's important because just like with like traumas from childhood, unless we acknowledge them, we are bound to them. And so this is, this is the invitation is to acknowledge this really huge moment of contact and magic in our own history. In the book, I, I know you do uh, BQH information from your sessions that's in this book, or is this information in your book is what you have experienced personally and from the, whether it's the black mirror or your meditations or, and so on. Yeah, I do talk about one session. I do talk about one client and this is a client, I so I said a prayer to be of service to others uh, in alignment with my desire and destiny, which is to do hypnosis in the ET contact field. I was immediately guided to working with a man named Dan who has a missing time experience from the Atacama Desert. It was uh, filmed, uh, going him going out to the desert, coming back from the desert, a confused sort of state. There was also concurrent documentation and evidence of a geosynchronous UFO. And the whole event was put together by a fairly well-respected CE5 communities of Latin America called the Rama Mission and Ricardo Gonzalez. The event itself was predicted through like automatic writing a year beforehand. And so I, I was guided to work with this guy who has like this extraordinary missing time experience. We got to a, an understanding of what happened. I got to an understanding of what happened. He doesn't remember this session. And so I've been yearning for, because I see this as a kind of a possible 
sort of ambassadorial experience between us and the star nations in a very uh, specific way, in a way that was modeled for me in the work of John Dee and Edward Kelly. And so that experience and that frustration actually of working with and having this understanding and not, not being able to move forward because he doesn't remember it. He's, he's not watching the tapes or whatever. We talk about it, we're friends, but that, that frustration of that one session really inspired this whole work because I was like, I, I just have to understand this whole context. He was actually, we were doing a CE5 event. Uh, that's when my wife saw that UFO and mm. other people. And that's when I was meditating was in that context. So this does really, is it really comes up and out of that session work. I mentioned it in the introduction, it's not necessarily relevant to the, the 30 visionary experiences, but this is the ground out of which my whole inquiry comes. Now, I know you have your book on your website and it's on Amazon. Do you know how much it costs? Yeah, the, the print book's like two, uh, 22, 22. Uh, I think that ebook is like 999 or 777. The PDF is free on the internet. And if anybody wants a different format that's not print, they can email me. I'll send you the, I'll send you the format too. Because uh, they, they do want it to be available. And I, I appreciate the support when people buy the physical book. Uh, that's always wonderful. Um, but it's, it's really about getting the message out. Yeah. Is there anything else about the book that you would like to share? Yes and no. I mean, I, 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 that going into the different visions and things like that is fascinating. Uh, the experience of working with the celestial beings is fascinating, but it's no, the, the thing here is just know that I've spent, I wrote a 400 page book. I'm a well-educated guy. I've de dedicated my, a lot of my time to this one historic moment. And I don't care if you, you read my book about it. You just like everyone in the world, I would like to know that about the experience of John D. Edward Kelly and how relevant it is to this historic moment now. And it's, I, I sometimes feel like I'm beating a dead horse with, the, with like, it's important, it's important. Um, but that's, that's <laughs> the message I would give is like, even if you don't look into the book, look into that historic time period and see how relevant it is uh, to this day. Perfect. Before we move on to the next section, I'm reading parts of it. So you mentioned the Watchers. And you have another section about the celestial wars. So what's your information on the watchers? So the way this unfolds was I would have these visionary experiences and then they would show me things and there would be some level of communication. In this experience, it relates to Atlantis, actually. Uh, Always this... comes back to Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, they basically, they told me, right, so it's like there are these beings that existed in Atlantis, right? They knew their civilization was going to collapse. Like we know, ours, like we, some people are like, oh, let's build seed banks. Let's build missions to Mars, let's build these arcs that can sustain our culture outside or beyond this cataclysm. And so they were smart people back then. They built ships and things like that to serve as sort of these uh, arc type experiences to help uh, navigate through the cataclysm. Um, and so in that way, 
there's been these these beings that exist in these like ships made from Atlantean technology outside of our space time. Briefly, they're sort of like skimming over our space time, waiting for us to to remember our lives from back in Atlantis and go, oh yeah yeah, yeah I remember that. Like let me like I, I've got that specific frequency in my aura to awaken that light ship. Let let me go and and do that. So that 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 actually was one of the most incredible one of the more incredible experiences was like receiving that message. I still don't know how I feel about it, but it's like, there's like a fleet of these things that are sort of skimming around our space time, just waiting for people like you and me to go up. Oh, I remember let's, let's actually shift into a frequency that can relate to them. The reason why I bring up the watchers is one, I had a, a client, she had a session and she was talking about how the, if I remember correctly, it was the angels will walk among us again no, no, no. The watchers will walk among us again. And I said, oh, OK, who are the watchers? And she said, well, you would consider, consider them to be angels. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, OK, that's cool. And then another reason why I bring it up. So it, it's even in Dolores Cannon's book as well. Another reason why I bring it up is because since it comes up so much, I associated that group name, the watchers, into my book, Guardians of Magic as the group, you know, their name for the four members is the Watchers. Hmm. And so I was like, well, and then you mentioned Atlantis. I'm like, yes, that's why I wanted to bring that up because I thought that was perfect. And a lot of that stuff resonated. Now you mentioned Atlantis. Do you have a lot of information on that or, or pretty much it in a nutshell for you? Yeah, that's, I mean, there, there, none of the communications in the book is like what we would deem information actually. And that's one of the more frustrating aspects is, uh, is visionary experience that needs interpretation. That okay. experience I had with Atlantis, particularly they, they called me into an understanding of was around some of my own soul history related to Atlantis, you know, and some of my own spirit guides. And so that, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily like super, super interesting to anyone else, but it's, I mean, sometimes it's helpful to know like, oh, like I, I actually relate to a constructed, it's like a constructed entity. In the book, I, there's this character named Dar Enos, which is the name of the Atlantean I was in a past life. This is, this, I'm, I'm talking all sorts of strange. Usually I, I, I like couch this in like, oh, this is imaginal work and stuff. It's like, yeah. Oh, but, go all in, man. You're already <laughs> done. <laughs> no, that's right. So uh, back, back then I, I incarnated it as an Atlantean. It's like a scientist oh. that did a lot of work sort of, and it created this, this guy created a kind of crystalline lattice type consciousness structure that uh, brought in the different aspects of incarnation. So the different multidimensionality in the, the various incarnations of, of my soul have the capacity to use that technology, uh, like, like this, this constructed thing. And it's like a kind of a, a conglomerate of about 12 different incarnations going back and using this body. I had previously associated with the Atlantean. I thought, oh, this is the Atlantean. And then through this, through this ritual, there, there got to be clarity like, oh, it's, it's actually the creation of that Atlantean is what I was relating to in the same way that my like ancient Egypt lifetime relates to that same thing. And the same way that the, a future lifetime will relate to that. I'm relating to this thing that I thought was the Atlantean, but actually is a kind of a 
created, constructed um, astral kind of experience. Okay. Yeah. And you was experiencing this through a session, a BQH session, or just through your meditations, vision, dreams, anything like that? I started interacting with this entity in the context of hypnosis. Um, okay. So it's like, I, 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 in depth hypnosis, we do uh, core sh- shamanic training. Um, so there's like shamanism as well as standard hypnosis therapy. So the, one of the practices to relate to a guide for that. And this is where I, I started interacting with this entity as that guide. And then since then, I mean, psychics would give me readings, I guess some bits and pieces here and there. And then generally it, it talked to me for like a period of a month or so. That's very interesting. Kind of explanatory kind of like, Hey, here's the situation. Um, it was a psychic communication. So it's, it's not like I'm hearing voices in my head. I'm, 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 I'm intentionally, I intentionally, I go for walks, meditative walks and kind of open myself up for the, that mm. level of communication. And so calm down the mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where it came through. Yeah. Yeah. We might've knew each other in Atlantis. You never know. Likely. I mean, anyone talking nowadays about these things, I, I feel there's the, things aren't by accident. Well, I'll have links in the description of Daniel's book. Very exciting. I will check it out. I'm looking forward to it. And I'll have d- links to his website, his book, the Amazon. And you said your book is on your website. Yeah. Cosmicdreamsanctuary.org slash book. And if someone wants to have a session with you for BQH, that information is on the same website. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do a free and no obligation consultation. You can book that uh, in the header of the website. It says book time with Daniel. You, you set up a time. It's about an hour long consultation that is sort of like an, uh, an interview or first session type experience. And then um, from there, I'll invite you to schedule either a BQH or a more standard hypnosis session. And that is done by donation. So uh, after the fact, I, I let everyone know in the consultations what the market rate is. And then after the fact, I send a donation form where you put what you want. And so it's, I don't want this to be limited by money or motivated by money, but I, I do need to make a living. So that's how uh, we yeah. kind of compromise with it. Well, yeah. I was told one day it's an exchange of energy. So yeah. I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. So I was like, okay, I'll go with it. The Atlantean light ships. What does that deal with? Yeah, that's what I was talking about in terms of the uh, construction of those craft. That oh, that's what that was. That's that's what the watchers, at, at least in my understanding, inhabit to move through time. So these light ships are constructed vehicles that we've made in the past to serve us in the future, sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's a a bonus question. If you don't have the answer for it, no no biggie. Uh, if you do, it's all good. So I was told that the Atlanteans wanted this secret technology, this information to contact their ancestors on another planet to communicate with them. So you happen to know anything about that? Like, why were they trying to contact this other planet? Oh, uh, no, no idea. Any no guesses? Idea. <laughs> uh, so one of the, well, I mean, in terms of, and again, this deals with my own soul memories and things like that is, is like the not being from the local system or whatever. So my, my memories of incarnating uh, involved going through something like a prism experience, a solar con- consciousness within the Pleiadian system uh, comes into the earth system and it extends out through, uh, through, through time and space in these different ways. And so one of the things to understand uh, about the Atlanteans is 
I mean, a lot of I, I mean, a lot of this stuff is is only makes sense when we take this imaginal point of view mm-hmm. in the 3D where we're talking about stories and narratives, but from a different perspective and a different density, it, it makes more sense. And so one of the things that coming into the soul, the soul experience, the Atlantean time is like a foundational time for a lot of that experience. Same thing with the like Egyptian type light, like any anywhere there's these like pyramidal structures and things like that. It's where this kind of celestial energy came into. I would imagine they like if they're reaching out. I mean, I I would I would be surprised if Atlantis was a lot like like not in contact with uh, different entities or different right uh, right frequencies. Um, from what I understood, they lost that connection for whatever reason. They lost it and they were trying to do these certain things to get back in touch. It's kind of like they lost connection with nature in a way, or spirit. Mm-hmm. They got just too cold, too analytical from what I understood. You want to begin with uh, the New Earth versus New World Order? Which definition would you be interested in taking? We kind of, I can give you my definition of the New World Order, but uh, mine is very basic. But from your point of view, is there anything you would like to share of what you believe? And and yours is a little bit interesting because you mentioned the British Empire. So if you can explain which, how would you explain the New World Order? Yeah, I I kind of understand it as a, I I have to understand it as a metaphor in some way, shape or form to to be, uh, people talk about like evil cabals, like the, the Majestic 12, whatever it is, this sort of Dark, I, I call them the uh, dark and covert councils in my prayers. Uh, like you know, they're, they're they're like the the lurky humans that have their, their service to self sort of thing with a kind of a secret agenda and not so secret. That that's sort of the source or understanding is where this media ni- manipulation comes in. This sort of governmental level manipulation is sort of the. It's like going like, oh, well, we were in war, like World War II happened, but there's a group of humans that sold weapons and military goods to both sides and profited mm. from it. It's that group. Uh, and it's that that agenda that is- The group that is on both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, play, who play around with human life uh, in mm. that way. How would you describe the new earth? I know there's different versions. People say different things about it, but what would you, if you had to tell someone what is the new earth, how would you explain it? Yeah, I would say it's kind of an intact relationship to Gaia. I would, I would say that we uh, as human beings are naturally capable of relating to Gaia and uh, it's not necessarily a new, new situation, but it's tuning into a frequency of connection where we see ourselves as expressive of this greater earth consciousness and isn't necessarily disrupted by the, the new world order in the in the guise of like colonialism of consumerism and things like that so we find uh, experience of, of that when we connect with nature where we go grounding where we have these moments where we're stepping outside of calendar time and clock time and we're just like oh we're in it we're talking to the fairies or whatever you know that that, that sort of thing so the new earth is really I see it as a human society moving once again into that relationship. Unicorns and double rainbows with all the changes with the earth that is going on. Why is it changing and why now? And what, what changes particularly, or is this a general, general question? A general question, but okay. it can go into changes of the earth going into the 3D to the 5D. Why is it changing? And then also why now? Why not earlier? You know? 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, I see that I see changes happening in terms of climate cycles, and that's that's really obvious in terms of our pollution cycles. The the other sense I have is this uh, shifting of energy, and this is this is actually a very palpable experience for people who uh, are like dreamers, are like psychic people. They they really they're like yeah, we're we're moving into a new age. Um, I would say in part it is in relating to my own metaphor for this is the movement into the the spirals of galactic energy that we're moving from a dark to a light cycle. And so this is sort of like the 2012 notion of uh, end of end of calendar year. This is sort of like the the cycles, the yuga cycles, like we're at the end of Kali Yuga. We're mm-hmm. at the end of the, what was it like age of Pisces? We're now in age of Aquarius. So oh, all okay. of these things are are sort of shifting. It's, I, in, it's not necessarily one thing that's important to know is like uh, from one perspective, we've been talking about historical 3d time where it's a linear progression type experience and that that is a perspective where it it just sounds crazy to say my oh my past life in atlantis my future life in this my time in the pleiades but then when we're shifting into different densities of consciousness and different relationships with time this sense of of struggle from dark to light from dark to light that sort of like poverty of galactic energy to abundance of galactic energy that actually is a shift from only one perspective and that's the historical 3d perspective um so in in one sense we've already been in connection with the 5d this sort of thing we've already had that we 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 use that to choose to go into this darkness and emerge up and out of it very yeah. good and why now is because we need it we desperately need it um okay. our world's about to fall apart we can i you, we can feel that in terms of climate change we can feel that in terms of our culture our culture uh based in what it is in terms of how we treat people medically how we treat people uh mm, we provide entertainment how we relate to one another is in desperate need of elevation. And I think that I think perhaps that is one of the symptom experiences of, of being ready to move forward is as our existence becomes intolerable. So we are then driven forward into uh, a different, different new earth, let's say. Yeah. So here's my favorite question. So with all that beautiful things that have been talked about, why why would the new world order try to stop something like that why would they try to stop the changes from happening and there's there's plenty of examples of what they're trying to do to stop it but what's your thoughts of why would they try to stop it why wouldn't they want the beautiful things in life as well yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Like why there's certain notions I've used in the past to think about it, like the service to self notions that come from like the raw material, which is that that channeled stuff from the, I don't know what, the 70s or 80s, talking about, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like there's orientations of service to self, service to other, these new world orders, service to, service to self. Personally, I, I think oftentimes of the metaphor that life is like a dream, Um, And so in that way, we are actually in a dreamlike experience now. Um, And so in that way, some of that, and and so I often say, okay, so the metaphor is this, like, we're in a dream now, and imagine being in a dream, and you don't realize you're in a dream, you're very attached to your dream body, you go, okay, and I've had experiences of 
monsters attacking me of horrific, like mutilation experiences and things like that within the dream context itself. And I got attached to my personal body in that nightmare experience. But the thing about those dream experiences is that eventually they called me to wake up to the dreamlike nature of those experiences. And I had simulation dreams. They would repeat. If I didn't, if I didn't wake up to the dream experience, I would be like eaten alive. I would like, like, it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. That's one of the, these dream experiences I've talked about is these like false awakenings, sort of like looping dreams. Like I didn't get, I didn't solve the puzzle. And so I had to re-experience it. And then I would solve the puzzle by waking up and go, hang on a second. I'm in a dream experience. That monster over there is actually me. And there's a reason why it is violently mutilating me. And that is to call me to wake up to my deeper reality. And I, I have to go like, there's something like that happening here and now with the new world order. Like they aren't necessarily like, we aren't human bodies in the same way that they aren't human bodies. They're playing a role. We're playing a role. If we're playing the role of light worker, somebody has to play the role of a dark worker. It's just how it works sort of thing, I feel. And so the invitation in terms of moving into the new earth, I feel, is, is definitely waking up to the dreamlike nature of these things, recognizing that unity consciousness at some level partakes in all of these things. It's not to tolerate the abhorrent behaviors and, and like it's not to denigrate the beautiful and like accept the horrible it's just saying hey this is all part of the same kind of dreamlike game in that way when we wake up to those things we have the capacity to choose to be of service to others we have the actual capacity to take action that is beautiful that is is light-based as opposed to being reactionary or attached to specific like illusions that's a meta i'm not saying their motivations i'm saying that perhaps like a mystical way of how to relate to the the new world order activities that's how i found peace with it sort of thing um in these trying times of whatever is happening now yeah wow i wasn't expecting all that information <laughs> that's pretty good all right so this is somewhat of a new question not everybody was asked this question and there's another new question on here too so i'm pretty excited to ask this next one but for this one do you feel like the elite the evil ones are the ones that are in power and control do you feel like they keep reincarnating into the same families the same bloodlines to hold on to power that kind of makes sense to me i mean uh, we see that we see examples in terms of tibetan buddhism reincarnation experiences and that that is literally like, like we have working examples of that um that aren't uh aren't esoteric and aren't like new age sort of things like is literally what happens um like there's tests for those those lamas to be recognized as reincarnations of them their past selves so in that way i i would suspect there is a kind of a reincarnation cycle that i think there's like like car like karma um, like I, my grandmother is my half sister, uh, which is like mm -hmm. so weird. Mm -hmm. I recognize it. My dad recognized it. And that happened because they had trauma to resolve together. They, it wasn't because it was a beautiful sort of like loving relation. It's like, like they, they need, they had that experience of coming together once again, in order to resolve some of the issues that they had when that mother son dynamic as now father daughter dynamic. And so I feel like my father resolved that karma before he passed. Um, and in that way, I, I sort of feel as if they're 
particularly with the new world order type people, the evil ones or whatever, is it's not it's not a great life. Um, I, they, they're causing a lot of pain for everybody. Yeah, you can kind of see it too. You can kind of see it in them themselves as well. You know, it's kind of like what was it? The endless cycle of water it keeps going through the same system, filtered, used, filtered, used, and it's kind of like there's no changes. Yeah, the Book of Galactic Light actually was inspired in part by the the, the reflection around like possible possible reincarnation experiences with Dr. G as myself, right? So in this oh, way, okay. I was like, what if, so what if the reason why I gave it such gravity, I went like, what if I actually am a reincarnation of Dr. D? Like I was attracted to work with him. I had this mysterious infection. I don't know of anybody else who have had that mysterious infection. I've had this sort of weird connection with the spirit through a UFO or whatever. And I'm like, so what What if that's the case? Like, what if that's the case? What's the message that I want to do? What And if there is a capacity for actual magic from that soul perspective, I want to make sure to do that to address whatever karma was incurred in that last lifetime, in that lifetime back then, that had such horrific impacts, right? So the, the British Empire actually, you know, it, it, it's positive in one side, but also it, it, it resulted in genocide. And there's this whole, we're actually in a new world order in terms of our, our economics and things like that. We're not in a good way. And that's a direct causal uh, relationship with that lifetime of Dr. D, uh, Queen Elizabeth, he advised how the navigators would get to this new world. And so I go, well, from that perspective, I would like to address this karma now having gone through the ritual and things like that i have a different <laughs> perspective as to what a soul is and what what reincarnation is it's not necessarily as relevant as i thought before and so in that way i, I go i would hope you know I, I had a sense of constriction in terms of my own experience working with those possible incarnation or something like that. I was like, I was freaked out about it. And now I'm not freaked out about it. And I would hope that everyone, even the evil ones, have that sense of opening to freedom and light just by being Absolutely. willing to participate in whatever magic's happening in their lives. So so do you feel like with Dr. John D, if you feel like you reincarnated in this lifetime, do you feel like, hey, this is your opportunity to make things better and make things right? I wrote these prayers in the Book of Galactic Light. I did this work from the sense of like, if, if it's not, I'm a reincarnation of D, it's I'm a story vessel for for him. And in that way, gotcha. there's this capacity to, to make that right. I mean, we actually need to do that because um, in terms of our relationship with extraterrestrial contact, which is happening, is going to happen at a much deeper level. Like the the UFO UAP hearings happened in Congress. Like we're taking this stuff seriously. But the thing that everybody's afraid of, either verbally, not so secretly, or secretly, is the fact that we're afraid that the ETs will come, they'll rape and pillage. Like we, like the, the colonizers raped and pillaged the new world, basically. And so everyone's projecting those fears that the ETs are going to be like we actually are. And so in that way, I'm inviting a sense of, of acknowledging, hey, colonization happens. It's pretty, it's like a bad experience, but that it did happen. And we can actually move into a different relationship with each other and the earth. And we don't actually have to fear colonization from outside in the same way. That's interesting. Do you have any advice of, it could be either one, how to protect ourselves from negative energies 
or how to raise our vibration. You can pick pick or choose. <laughs> they're, they're kind of like one in the same. It's like raising the vibe is really a help for the negative entities. One thing that's Perfect. really important to understand is like you are a sovereign being at some level. And if you don't feel like that, you you need to go deeper within your soul to have that experience. And then at, that's what I would say. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. See, that was easy. I knew you knew that one. Another interesting one. And I like to get the takes, different takes from different individuals is what can we do to help with the new earth? The best thing to do is, is, this is going to be like really simple, is like literally go outside and sit on the earth for like five minutes a day and get to know it. This is like the exercise from an eco-psychological perspective is called sit spot. You just go, you, you find a spot to sit in and just pay attention and start building a relationship with the earth. She'll guide you. That's it. Like that's, that, that's the advice. And then of course there's like soul missions and soul origin and learning all these things, but simply is just being more open than closed and developing relationship with the earth. Would you happen to have any information? You hear this a lot, whether it's in BQH or QHHT, the wave of light. Would you have any information on that? Well, tell me more about that. Actually, I don't have. Usually when I'm talking about the wave of light it is in context with this energy from source, this energy that comes from the sun, and it's a wave of light that block that goes over the earth to whether spiritual awakening or awakening mankind. It's like there is, there is, there are galactic energies coming through the sun, but we, we have moved into that kind of heightened galactic uh, abundance vibe, like we've been talking about. The thing to understand is that there are beings sort of mediating that for us experience wise we as a society haven't been elevated enough to like mediate that ourselves i mean you've got the merkaba behind you so the that that sort of is an energy vehicle that we can use to relate to this the, this like heightened light experience coming into this system but most people i would say like in consensus reality are are, are really oblivious to even working with their own energy systems so there is are there are actual beings that are moderating that for us at a sort of like a galactic consciousness level between the earth system and the sun but also in in the within the earth system itself, it's being mediated. That's one of the things that I was surprised about in the book of galactic light is like these angels and the, these, they, they showed me the ETs, they showed me all sorts of stuff. They showed me these elemental beings that exist in community with us that are actually mediating a lot of the energetics for us. They would much rather we do that consciously with them. Um, and they're, they're sort of this, they're, they're very gracious beings, but they say kind of like, do your own part, guys. Like, stop stop being so lazy. Like, there's sort of like, hey, start developing your own energy vehicles. So the, the Merkaba, that's really important. And I'm glad to see that behind you. Yeah, technically, not. I don't even know if right or wrong, kind of like the cousin of the Merkaba. So it's not the Merkaba, if I remember correctly, when I looked up the information about the Merkaba, it is a vessel, a traveling type of vessel, if I'm not mistaken. So this would be almost like the cousin of it. So this would deal with stargates and portals and time and space. That's mm. how I was explained to it. And I drew this when I was, I think, fifth grade or sixth grade, if I ain't mistaken. I, I just drew it, just doodling and making triangles and connecting triangles and 
just left it alone, just drew it and just never thought nothing of it. When I created Guardians of Magic, I, I needed a logo because a guy that I paid to, to create some logos, I didn't like it. If It just felt like nothing wrong with this. It felt like more like fantasy, like elves and, you know, medieval times. And I was like, nah, I'm, I said, I'll use this. And, and then uh, I found it online. Uh, I did a search for double triangle inside of a circle. And it was a crop circle, just like mm. this. Hmm. And I was like, okay. So I thought it was the Merkaba thing going on. And then I was told no. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> yeah. So, and it was perfect timing because I'm, I'm, when I was looking at your book, because I have your book open as well, you mentioned that the ETs was brought up. Did you have a sense of what they look like? Or was it all just like energetic? A couple things surprised me about that. I literally, I honestly, when I went into the ritual of communication, I thought, John D got in contact with Drake, like Dracos or whatever, or like the evil, evil empire sort of ETs. And they presented in the guise of angels. That's what I thought. Um, mm, okay. I, I discovered, no, actually he was, I mean, in my work, I got in contact with angelic frequencies and I, I've, I'm not, I've not really talked about angels before I, but now I go, okay, they, they're very, very real. The angels themselves then uh, kind of mediating frequencies between our experience here and source consciousness. And they also mediate and are messengers and things like that for the ET races, for the elementals. And so in that way, they gave me a sort of tour of, and that's what's presented in a lot of the chapters is a tour of this kind of community that we're living in. One is the elemental beings and the other are the ETs. Uh, the ETs are, are visiting. There's a number of different, in, in the Book of Galactic Light, I talk about the greys. Again, that's sort of typical sort of gray experience. Uh, there's the Syrians. Uh, it's kind of beautiful, tall, taller humanoids. I know there's a lot of different types of Syrians sort of thing. And there are reptilians as well uh, that are good and bad. So um, in neutral. Um, mm -hmm. And so I related with uh, several that were both, I mean, they, they mostly presented actually in terms of ener energetic forms. Oh, there's a hybrid races that are, that presented a bit. Um, there's like space stations next to Jupiter and Saturn that have a lot of different types of stuff happening. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, it's, as, it's more varied than you can imagine. But looks wise, you didn't see what they look like in your visions or dreams or, or sessions or anything like that. Not necessarily. There are humanoids. They are human. Okay. I did see, I did see imagery. I did see imagery, around, but it's not as relevant necessarily as the energetic experience, primarily because okay. we are, we have been highly identified with our physical bodies here, mm -hmm. but just like we have multiple incarnations that we can actually interact with like you know this through the quantum stuff right like we're interacting with a past life we're interacting with ourselves from the future there's all sorts of stuff happening so in that way we do have a look to us that looks like naked ape basically but our souls are, are much much more varied and potent or more meaningful to connect with i would did you have uh, any more information about the grays in your book by any chance oh yeah again so it's sort of this visionary experience the syrians i i received a vision of them visiting the new earth 
Okay. Um, and so that was a really beautiful experience. Their light ship showed up. The New Earth were sort of living in these localized village type experiences, very much similar to like an indigenous population. There is high technology involved with all of it. Um, I saw visions of that. Um, <clears throat> and so that that was the kind of interaction I saw with Assyrians. With the gray there was, I mean, the grays were present primarily as uh, explanation of my own personal uh, contact history. I have had interactions with them through the like missing time experience or the so-called abduction phenomenon. And so they were present there as, I mean, uh, we're, we're all, we're all everything all at once, a lot of the time. So <laughs> they, they, they sort of gave me some information in terms of my own personal life. And I actually, even though uh, one of my most public hypnosis is, is related to gray abduction, nefarious gray abduction, that sort of classic genetic harvest, trauma-based missing time experience. I, I have a much kinder perspective of, or open perspective to the grays in, insofar as they you can't characterize any one race mm. of beings by by an activity yeah gotcha so you mentioned you have video or your session is is it online is that how i was taking it your session Oh yeah. Uh, so a lot of my sessions, I, since they do work with such an esoteric field, I do work with people online. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a BQH practitioner as opposed to like Q, QHHT. Um, it is online. You can see that work uh, at the Robert Earl White's Order of Light channel. Um, he's got a playlist called We Are the Disclosure. Oh, um, and so, okay. yeah, that was a really kind of a magical event uh, in terms of how that session unfolded, what happened in that session. That really was the experience of going back and that, that one in itself was, I oftentimes talk about how regression hypnosis is not necessarily reliving physical memories. Like it's not a memory enhancement tool so much as a, as a tool of integration or something like that. This one felt to me to be like a physical memory experience. And it, and it resolved in a sort of sense of uh, integration and forgiveness it, for the sake of freedom, like that sort of thing of this woman resolving her traumas. So yeah, that's that's available online. Uh, people okay. can check that out there. And you have a YouTube channel too, correct? That's right. Yeah. Cosmic Dream Sanctuary is the YouTube channel. Uh, I do a lot of uh, presentations of inquiries. This is scholarly sort of stuff. I, I like including references to other things. That's I have an inquiry um, put out on, on these topics like regression hypnosis, missing time, ET contact, dreams. Um, and so there's a lot of education there, as well as the entire video record of the uh, visionary experience of the Book of Galactic Light. So um, everything that is in the Book of Galactic Light came through a filmed experience that is present on the YouTube channel. So if you're wondering how like ritual works or channeling works or what this looked like, you can just see me doing it. I literally just transcribed those videos and that's what became the book. So it, it's a video, they can see you going through your method? Most of the time I film, I, I like, I, I have like a film of the, the table itself. So the idea was to like the, the perspectives like from behind me, looking at the holy table that was holding the obsidian mirror. There's also, I did a CE5, which is Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind methodology, which involves two ham radios, shortwave radios that are exactly the same. So um, they're tuned mm -hmm. to the same frequency. So if one is going off and the other's not, you know something fishy is happening. And so I have that filmed as well. So on the videos, lower right is like the radios. Then there's a zoom in on the obsidian mirror. And then I think there's a face 
view of me. And then there's also the table itself. Oh, so interesting. I, <laughs> I set it up because I thought perhaps like something magical would happen in terms of the disc. Like I thought like maybe it would phase out and I could actually see aliens through mm-hmm. through magic or whatever. And I thought maybe I could catch that on film. But I I did have contact. It just didn't work the way I thought. Uh, and, um, interesting. I'm going to have to check out those videos. Link in the description will be for his YouTube channel and just check in the description for that link. Yeah, I'm going to check out those couple of videos and see see what's, what that it's all about. I know you hear about the Great Reset Forum, World Economics Forum, with this Great Reset. My question to you is, do you feel like the Great Reset is more for the New Earth or the NWO? I think it's our choice. <laughs> I think it's our, I think it's our choice. I mean, I think in in all of these things, we have the opportunity to either wake up to dreamlike nature of our world and to see the NWO as sources of awakenment, like we would might see the the monsters in our nightmares to be a a cause for awakenment. And so in that way, if we do not awaken in this experience, the Great Reset is going to be for the new world order, and we are going to suffer. If we do choose the path of awakenment, then we it will be a great reset and we will experience a kind of a unification and a sense of forgiveness and moving forward as a unified human species, including those dark and covert councils, they will come into the light and have a similar kind of challenging experience as we are in terms of relating to the deeper reality as as like source consciousness having an experience together in this in this world. This will be the next new question that I'm pretty excited to get your opinion about. So we talked about the Great Reset and we got this other thing that's going on, the metaverse. And someone else posted a video where the dark or NWO wants us to become more 2D. Do you feel like the metaverse is their version of us becoming more 2D? Oh yeah. Get us away from higher dimensions, bring us down, and I want to get your opinion about it because this is a new question that I've added to the mix. Yes, the web technologies that uh, have come out and have been utilized by the consumerist colonization kind of NWO experience, right? Those aren't good. Those aren't. It doesn't. It doesn't lead to a good experience. It leads to addiction. It leads to isolation. We see that even with the in the case of like Facebook or any of this stuff. And yes, there is. Uh, occasions where we can find light and connection in these experiences, like we're talking over the internet. But I would say, actually, if we didn't have the internet technology, we likely would have a capacity for, um, and this is actually the case, like we have testimony of intact cultures, like the indigenous cultures having a much greater capacity for telepathy. And that is only, is not happening in our world now because of the obstructing activities of the NWO and that sort of thing. And so in that way, I say like, yes, we're having a wonderful time talking on the internet. I would much rather have a situation where we are living in tune with Gaia and in that way unfolding to our natural magical capacities and having this sort of natural telepathic kind of even metaversal experience because we are finding that we're tuning into the heightened uh, multidimensionality. One of the one of the first books I ever wrote was called The Alchemist's Dream is Now Achieved 
This is mm. uh, channeled work or like in downloaded work. I did it when it was like, I don't know, 2012 or whatever. I received six downloads. It's on my website, Cosmic uh, Sanctuary. Part of the, the Great Awakening, 2012. <laughs> yeah. So the, the premise of that book is basically like all this stuff we've been yearning for is accomplished now, like telephones and telepathy, like uh, teleportation and cars and that sort of thing. But it's not satisfying to our souls because we understand there's something else, a deeper, a deeper and greater reality where all these things happen. And in that way, we go like we see this development of the technology of multiverse and virtual reality. That's actually mirroring a natural capacity we have for multidimensional experience. And in that way, even though it is an invitation for people to go into the 2D or whatever, it can we can actually use that to say, hang on a second. We now have a consensus reality metaphor and concept to understand our own multidimensionality. And, and that's actually a re really beneficial thing. So again, it's a sense of choice as to how to engage with the uh, activities of the NWO or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, again, it's sort of a transcendent sort of uh, stance or strategy to it. And you hear about AI as well. So a lot of talks about artificial intelligence. What's your thoughts on that? Is that kind of like the same thing, like the metaverse, like for us to become more 2D, give up some of our power and how you feel like the AI is connected with all this? And I hear good things and bad things from both sides. Yeah, I, I honestly both can't communities, wrap, I should yeah. say. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around a lot of the AI stuff, like how that might unfold into our consensus uh, reality worldview, that sort of thing. I do know the, the one thing I, I keep thinking on is like, well, the light ships, the UFOs actually are conscious in a way, and they are sort of constructed beings is some of the information that, that is coming through a, a lot of the ET contact literature is that these beings, these UFO craft are in some way, something like AI, not necessarily like the like there's this whole notion of like an AI, a cloud of AI that's evil and coming to take over or something. These are like really like kind, respectful, mm -hmm. but they're, they're also art of like artificial consciousnesses in, in the UFO. So then it's like, what, how does that play into the mix? That's, that's where I end up. Right. Yeah. Right. You hear about like certain individuals talking about like, even in their sessions, how like the spaceship feels alive, like it's connecting to me, like it knows what I'm thinking and stuff like that. So Kami had it thinking of, well, maybe this is our journey of, to explore this AI option for when we have ships in the future that have the same kind of abilities as well. <clears throat> and the next thing, and I think you brought this up just a little bit, but transhuman, how like they want you connected, they want chips in you, they want these plugs in you. Do you feel like that is one of their methods to get us away from raising our vibration is become more machine-like? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I do think, I mean, it's now like an artificial type of situation. I often think about the nature of like Western charity actually as a metaphor, and this might be a little circuitous, but uh, so, <laughs> so when I was a kid, uh, growing up in the Christian church, we were always like pressured into donating just $4 a month. And this, this poor kid in Africa can eat a bowl of rice and learn about the Christian faith. Like, how wonderful is that? You can, you can do God's work by just giving $4 a month so this poor kid in Africa can eat. 
And then I, I thought that was the best thing until I realized that poor kid in Africa is poor because colonists went over there, raped and pillaged and destabilized a natural relationship and an intact culture that has enough wisdom to communicate with the stars. And if we need examples mm. of that, we can only, we only need to look to like the Dogon tribe that knew about the binary star system in Sirius. We, we look to the like the Egyptian temples and stuff like that correlated with the stars. So mm. there was intact knowledge that seemed to be uh, imply a sense of telepathy, remote viewing, that sort of thing. But we destroyed that generations ago through violent activity. And now are, are like, oh, here's this charity sort of thing. So in that way, I feel that the in, inventions of Western science, especially the marvels, like the computer, like the chips, like the transhuman kind of activity is actually unnecessary if we came back to the inherent wisdom within the earth system. And one of the quickest ways, I mean, in the book, in the book, the vision, Book of Galactic Light, the vision was like there, the, all the straight roads, all the computer lines and whatever, those are actually a kind of a magical, these are implements of a magical ritual being done so that we lose certain capacities. And so in that context, it keeps us within this infrastructure that the NWO or whatever we want to call it is in control of. But if we step outside of that, like drop out and tune out, like you'll, you'll find like you can connect with the earth. And a lot of times the things that are yearned for within the context of this consumerism is actually addressed by earth, natural earth behaviors. Interesting conversations. So the next thing would be, I know we're talked about the great reset and everything, and you hear about the great awakening is the great awakening is this part of us getting to the next phase of the new earth situation and and another thing is like with the great awakening you kind of hear terminology in both communities you know whether it's the metaphysical community or i like to call it the rabbit hole community so you kind of have these terminologies in both communities and it's like what part in your opinion does the great awakening play and all this, like, which what, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, the the sense is right with the Great Awakening. I, I I again have a hard time pinning down what those things are. Like you were saying, there's multiple communities with the same terminology. The sense I have is it's an awakening to both the the NWO, like, oh, all of the things, like there there are these dark councils in that are acting out in the world um, that are in control of the media that are controlling this this narrative of who we are and people are waking up to it there's also a sense of awakening to psionic capacities like the quantum stuff like like connections with stars like like psychic stuff happening like seeing ufos i think it's all part of the same movement of of opening up um in I, I mean, uh, it's, it's, I, I don't know why it's happening, except we've been connected through the internet. Like there's something beautiful about that too, where it's like all this information is now flowing through the systems that, that created this sense of control. DNA section with the new earth, is our DNA changing? <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> what are my thoughts? You know, people talk about DNA. I've had a really hard time going like, well, what is galactic DNA? What is crystal DNA? How do we yeah. even know what's going, what's this junk DNA? Explain that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so the, the notion is, right, like we have the two strands of helical DNA, and those are kind of what we know. About 80% of that junk DNA is what people say. And then there are like 10 other strands that are etheric or crystalline that are made out of light that connect in. Um, I had, I've had a series of interesting sessions in the last month or so of people who identify as hybrid. And I go like, are you like talking about physically hybridization? Sometimes they're like, yeah, I had part of the program, like you said, but sometimes it's like, no, I, I, I'm a hundred percent physical human DNA, but my etheric DNA or consciousness DNA is uh, is hybridized is what they're saying. And I, mm. I, so that's an experience that I, I mean, it's been coming up in the last month or two. So the, the DNA is always changing, right? Like that's how it, how it kind of works is sort of, uh, I, I don't know. I don't honestly, I've studied it a little bit. It kind of is mind blowing to me. The, the thing that I will point to, there is, it does seem to be, there's evidence of manipulated genetic modification sort of wow. thing through a lot of um, the recent medical industrial complex experiences that people use euphemisms to talk about primarily since the 2019 and that sort of thing. So that's one thing that people talk about. But in, in <laughs> you kind of, you kind of answering my next question. So that's pretty good. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. And that question deals with, is the NWO trying to change our DNA? And it sounds like you're touching about the 2019 V you could say. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say that all of that experience has a certain vibe to it that reminded me of uh, the event in September 20, 2001, where it's like, oh, this something else is happening here. I know for a fact that mm. it is not because my heart tells me that, because my mind tells me that, because this is what my discernment and I trust myself more than I trust the, the TV boxes or whatever. I, I did want to get back to the sense that it, perhaps we are in an experience of hybridization, right? That's one of the experiences that is consistent, even among like a UFO reporter literature and stuff like that. Even when you, you look to it, that there is this sort of endeavor to have this kind of hybridization shifting experience uh, that is kind of co is like the notion like right like star beings worked with some apes on earth and it's sort of slowly uh, modifying like the consodians right so it's it's not a new notion but that that does feel to be actually when i talk to people even though i in terms of my missing time regressions oftentimes most of the people i work with do have a kind of an abduction style perhaps genetic harvest or manipulation experience. That's not the point of the work. I, I've kind of, I've kind of gone like, oh, everyone probably has these experiences. <laughs> like, or like most animals in a zoo have the experience of working with a zookeeper sort of thing. There is, there is that happening. Um, and it, it needs to be talked about because that's what experiences are talking about. With everything going on, whether past wars or anything along that political system, you know, what's going on with the V and, you know, on both sides. Do you feel like we're trying to hurry up and work off karma for our, what we did in the past to help heal that, make better decisions this go round versus what we did in the past during Atlantis, during the days of Atlantis, you know, World War One, World War Two, and anything else that you feel like we're trying to like, hey, let's hurry up and get some healing out the way and get some of this karma done before 
the earth goes through all these changes. So you, you had any insight on that? Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense to me in terms of relating to the, the past karmas. I mean, there's a lot, of, a, a lot of karma that we have to deal with. And that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I'm doing my work now is I, I see we actually have karma to work off in terms of colonization in order to relate to mm-hmm. our galactic neighbors, which will be an experience in the new earth. Like, it's just for a fact, it's going to be, for me, I know, like, they'll be here, right? And we'll have to deal with it. And in, unless we deal with it, they may not actually be here. But one of the insights from the book of Galactic Light that I keep coming back to is this notion of densities. And there's certain like the difference between like oil and water, there's a mm. layer. And so we're talking about, we're we're moving into the fifth density from third and fourth density. Fourth density does seem to have capacities related to instantaneous manifestations. And we are then in the fifth density relating to soul experiences that exist in multiple dimensions of time. So in some way there, it seems to me there's like an eggshell or a layer between the oil and water of fourth and fifth density, mm. where there's a bunch of stuff that you just have to go through and deal with. And a lot of that might be this heightened state of the stuff we're experiencing now, which is like this huge heightened state of control, diff- difficulty. There's like galactic wars people are talking about. And I think all that happens in just one, they said it's a very thin band between the fourth and fifth density that at the edge because at the edge of the fourth density, you have these like highly advanced cultures that have psionic capacities to go backwards and forwards in time and time travel in that way. And, but at the fifth density, you're, you're added a, a much vaster perspective of time as well. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. I think, I, I, I don't think, I, I don't know if it's actually happens in all evolution cases of fourth to fifth density, but I think in our case, because of the heightened need of our planet to move through it we're, we're having this this really crusty experience of uh, control <laughs> perfect i love the information matter of fact you kind of gave me a new question that i need to add so you mentioned 5d so with that being said and you kind of get different takes on it when you listen to different videos and everything so with the 5d do you feel like in your opinion like what do you think you think it's going to be more of a physical body or more of an energetic light body. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it is going to be a physical-ish body. I think the defining factor is not necessarily physical or non-physical. Um, I mean, I, I kind of expect experiences of light body transfiguration, meaning actually transfiguring this physical body into a light body sort of thing that like Christ did, mm-hmm. like Padmasambhava did. So there's, we have these experiences, historical precedents, sort of like the myth of Shambhala, you know, I think that's part of it. And that might be a kind of down the road in 5D. The the thing that I would look as a distinguishing factor is not necessarily physical or non-physical, but is a sense of unity consciousness versus polarity consciousness. So the sense of heightened experience of light or dark is characteristic of fourth density and below. And then the the sense of like a unity conscious, this is like the mystical notions that I keep putting out where it's like, we're like, oh, those nightmare monsters, these new world order people, they're analogous. And in some way, when we wake up to that reality, we see them as ourselves. And that, that I would say is the characteristic of uh, fifth density 
Um, that's I say that just because the Book of Galactic Light and those beings say that to me. I'm still wrapping my mind around and I'm going, is this really the case? But I, I, I kind of think it is. You hear about three days of darkness or some individuals might experience it as 10 days of darkness. Would you have any information to relate to that when they're talking about whether it's three days of darkness or dark night of the soul kind of thing? I don't know if those are related at all. But what are your thoughts on it? I don't I don't have particular information around the three days or 10 days of darkness. In terms of the dark night of the soul, I tell all of my clients who approach like missing time experience that we are, the, the notion here is around like rite of passage. So we are in, actually in a rite of passage, which does involve dark night of the soul. The archetype for rite of passage is death. Um, so, so in that way, the, the sense of like Christ being in, in, in the tomb for three days, uh, has resonance there. Um, but we are in a rite of passage. We are moving from one world to another. And that is in, and from one perspective, it is death. That's important to recognize. Um, cause that's what we were talking about approaching some of the suspicions you had around childhood stuff. And you're like, I don't know if I'm ready to go into that. <laughs> and, yeah. Me and Daniel was talking for about 10 or 20 minutes ahead of time, just to check the sound and get comfortable with everything and we're talking about the secret space conference that i went to and then at the end of one of the conversations with tony rodriguez he said a few things and i was like "Ooh, i have some thinking to do but we won't go into too much detail just yet on that one in your book is there anything else that's in your book that we covered on that we talked about so uh somewhat is there anything else in your book that's like hey this right here would be perfect for this type of conversation. If you want, if a viewer wants to dig more into it, what would you recommend? Like what section of the book would you, would you highly recommend? Book, there's 30 chapters that have a number and then three letters afterwards, which is kind of strange. Those three letters represent um, each of those 30 chapters is a visionary ritual of looking at a layer of consciousness from here to the source, basically, is how it's understood. Um, and that each of those chapters has a specific kind of density and communication around it. A lot of the, so I put together chapter headings. Um, and so a lot of this stuff around the celestial wars and the Star Wars experience and the light versus dark talks about that distinction between fourth density, light, dark duality consciousness, and the unity consciousness experience that is being called for in the fifth fifth density. So I would check that out. Specifically, I talk, I needed questions around a lot of the visionary material they presented. So in the third chapter, um, I was given the opportunity to ask them questions, sort of like a session. I mean, I was asking myself, like, it's sort of like I had a piece of paper, it reminded me a lot of a qu quantum session. And, but I asked specific questions around this in that third chapter, and they gave answers, kind of were the most coherent, actually. They weren't necessarily like the robe figure winning the dragon and blah, 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 that sort of flowery visionary language. It was just sort of spelled it out conceptually. So I would actually check that out first uh, if you're curious about it. Yeah, I noticed I was saw some of the, the wording. I see you have the chapter number and I see Zip, Zax, OXO. I'm like, I didn't know what that was, Zim. So, so these letters, is that like the abbreviation for the chapters, like the name of the chapter? 
just abbreviate it? it? It is the name of an aether. So the aether is a term for like layer of consciousness. We call them densities. So we go like there's 12 densities. In this system, there's 30, 30 different layers. There's 30 different aethers, which represent, it's, it's sort of like Robert Monroe has like his focus one through whatever. It's sort of like that. It, these are domains in which there are three angel, three or four angelic governors. That and so it's a whole system of orienting to a celestial hierarchy. And the zip zap zom are the like the actual names of those those layers. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> so hmm. I it's, it's it's strange. I mean, I I don't know. I I just went with what I got. The, and this comes all the way from Dr. John D. Um, in his work. So he has a little, in one of his books, he has, it's basically like a concentric circle, 30 circles, and each has a number and a, one of these names with it. Mm. And that's his image of the cosmos, actually. I forgot to ask this question earlier, but you mentioned the celestial wars. What is that? What is celestial wars? I have what I think it is, but how would you explain the celestial wars. Yeah. So it involves anything from like generally um, how I experience it. I, I like, I like the work of certain, I, I am fascinated by the work of like the secret space program and the whole Pleiadian versus reptilian, the whole, I don't know, humans versus the insectoids on Mars, all of that, all of that stuff, all of the all of the battle experience that happened that we know about in the third density by way of memories, channeled experiences, and hypnosis. All of that narrative that's associated with those channels and means of knowledge are understood to be something like the celestial wars. So sometimes we do have this notion of a history of like a dr draconic empire taking over everything and, and things like that. From one perspective, and I think from a historical three-dimensional perspective, we can go back and see the ancient alien stuff. We can talk to, I, I don't know, I, this, this whole secret space program stuff, right, is like, it's evidence. There's evidence, there's testimonial evidence for it. But then at one also level, it's like, how are we getting that knowledge? How is it actually coming into consensus reality and our words that are spoken is through psychic means that may or may not have an influence on the, like the ontology of those experiences, the beingness of those experiences. The invitation here is to understand that the celestial wars are part of that crust in the fourth to fifth density and that they do manifest in very real ways, but we have a choice to engage with them and to participate in the duality experience it's basically like the option is you want to go i don't know if you ever played like world of warcraft or everquest um <laughs> but there's like do you want to go to the pvp server where player players can kill other players or do you want to go where you just have uh, a more more like versus the orc battle like wh which kind of world you want to inhabit and so that the sense of engaging with the narratives of celestial wars are, are very fascinating and wonderful from the perspective of like audience or narrative or whatever. And then we have the invitation to, to move through that. So that the whole celestial war bit is, is all about that kind of narrative unfolding. Of it kind of sounds like any, any kind of like space war where there's still Rhine wars. I heard of that one, but I guess any type of galactic galaxy versus galaxy or species versus species <clears throat> space type of war yes yeah yeah exactly because one of the one of the more fascinating things and we talked a little bit about this is 
when as a hypnotist, you can work with people who have physical evidence and testimonial evidence of experiences that have implications, greater implications about our history that don't add up, right? So one person says, oh, the reptilians are good. Someone says reptilians are bad. The evidence doesn't add up in the same way that with quantum stuff, like actual quantum physics, like the double slit light experiment, it doesn't add up. Um, and so there's something happening in the, in the conscious engagement with the celestial war that has an impact. I don't know what it is, and, but that's why it keeps coming. I'm fascinated by it. So thanks for, thanks for bringing up that question. Oh, not a problem. That's what I'm here for. This is just a fun question. So with the battle, since we're talking about celestial wars and the battles and everything, do you feel like this battle between good and evil, has this been going on since the beginning of time? Or how long would you say? Yeah, I mean, like from, from our perspective, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do want to just to to circle back. I'm, I'm not talking about, I don't doubt actually that these things happen. I don't actually doubt that there's historical testimony and people are experiencing these Star Wars type experiences, the secret space. I actually really, truly, and I, I believe it, and I believe this has been going on since the beginning of time and will continue on till the end of time. The thing that I'm saying is that we have choice as to how we relate to that timeline of mm -hmm. endless war. And we can actually go at a different dimension of time, vertical to it or perpendicular to it or something like that in how we choose to relate with the polarities of light and dark. So I, I yeah, it, it seems like it's going on forever. And I think some of that is the, the balance of like, stars shining into the darkness sort of experience just how it works light into dark sort of thing mm -hmm. in the case of historical time as we understand it from this third density perspective you hear it in some of the sessions and, if, and you can even relate to or bring up any information from any of your sessions so they say that some of our systems need to change our political system our money system schooling system is there any other systems that need to fall as well for this new earth to come forward. I'll speak from the perspective of uh, Book of Galactic Light since I've just been talking about it, but Perfect. basically the people don't love like, it. <laughs> it is like, yeah, the thing that they said to me was it not, none of it actually needs to the fall. The thing that needs to happen is people need to be more open than closed to their mm, own that's truth. interesting they they talked about it in terms of like fossil fuel consumption and all of the like we're doing horrible stuff to the earth but the thing that's more impactful is our mental state because we actually live in a conscious based world we're not actually living in a physical world we are living in the illusion of a physical world and so our consciousness as it relates to these things are is actually more important than our actions however that said it's really impossible to take to, to like live in a way that's coherent when you're taking actions that you know are wrong right like if you're just throwing away everything and like guzzling oil or whatever you you have a kind of guilt experience about it there's in, incongruities there but they said actually the impact is is around our consciousness about being closed down about being attached to one side of this polarity the light or the dark attached mm. to the experience of being a victim or a victimizer in the case of like many of the dark and covert counsel is listening you might they might be attached to the victim victimizer perspective from the light worker perspective we're often attached to the victim perspective and so in that way 
that attachment is is like the cause of suffering and so when we when we just are like more open than closed we have the capacity to let go of that a little bit to let go of this sort of addiction to this 3d world um, and they say that's that's really what needs to happen and the only thing that needs to happen and there can be kindness if we all work together to do that it would be a very beautiful thing to do is to have this this almost mindful transition from this state where we're at to the new earth. They also suggest that perhaps when we have the experience of our civilization collapsing, that we uh, can understand that the collapse of these buildings that we've constructed, like the skyscraper, like the straight road, that sort of thing, is to clear the ground and to say, clear the magical table of all of these ritual implements to keep the enslavement Mm. happening. And so there was a sort of kind of vision of systemic collapse that seemed to me to be a very hopeful vision, although from some perspectives might be a very violent and cataclysmic experience. And I would say a number of our systems, <laughs> in fact, any system associated with the empire actually would would, would likely be uh, beneficial to collapse. Gotcha. Perfect answer. Well done. Was there anything else that you like, oh, I wish we would have talked about this or was there anything you know, anything else that, you know, is on, on your mind that relates to your book, you know, it doesn't have to be about this subject, but was there anything else you would like to share? Like I said, I, I think it's very important for us to understand the historical context of Dr. D, Edward Kelly, Queen Elizabeth, British Empire, that sort of thing. It's really important to do that. I would recommend okay. anyone to go into that. That said, I, you don't actually have to, like, the thing is, is that it's very hopeful. I want to share a message of hope of a sense of uh, belief in the new earth. There is possibility. I absolutely believe it. There is not a sense of despair in my, there's not an ounce of despair actually when I go deep enough um, (laughs) in terms of where I'm at with this sort of message is a sense of hope um, in that the communications from the celestial beings say, hey, everybody actually has connections equivalently powerful to like the D connections with the angels or any of the like Dolores can and Nostradamus, whatever, every single person here listening has those connections to sources of wisdom that can guide them into this state of belief in possibility. It's really a matter of invitation and permission from the point of view of the conscious mind. And that's it. Be more open than closed. Invite and permit these connections with the, the, the deeper self, the higher self. Don't worry too much about where we're at because really the sense of being open and inviting and permitting those connections with higher higher self and new earth is what will drive things forward. It's not the actual solutions to how, how are we going to make hybrid cars faster or more efficient. It's actually just that joyful openness. Nice. Perfect answers to a lot of questions. I'm very impressed. I'm glad you reached out to me. I'm glad you emailed me. Were you nervous at all? Oh, yeah. I always get nervous about talking about this stuff. <laughs> I'm still, they, they... I still get nervous myself. So we're in the yeah. same boat. You could share any links. And like I said, uh, any links that he shares, I'll have it in the description below. Is there? How would somebody be able to get in touch with you? Would it be through your website the best way? Best way, yep. CosmicDreamSanctuary.org. Um, send me an email. There's a way to contact me there. I've got a lot of other projects going on, but you can really get there through CosmicDreamSanctuary.org. And I'll have a link to his YouTube channel, his Amazon book, his website that you said that the book is on your website as well. And if someone's interested in a session with you for BQH, they can go to your website 
and then that information is on there as well. Yep, absolutely. And if you've been watching this video and you're up to this point, a little tip or a little clue, I'll have a, a link to the bonus material of our conversation with the Secret Space Conference that uh, me and Daniel was talking about earlier, if you're interested in that. And that will be look in the description, but it'll say bonus material. Before I let you go, don't hang up. I have a few more questions. This would be more private. And is there anything else you would like to share? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Did you have a good time? Was everything well, good? I did have a good time. Yeah, thank you. No, I just want to say thank you for hosting me and thank you uh, to your audience for listening and being open to these ideas. It's really, really important. So thank thank you, um, audience, and thank you, uh, Jason, for having me. Thank you very much. And, you know, for the most part, I have an open platform. So if someone wants to reach out to me, you know, just give me your talking points. When you sent me that email the second go around, I was like, oh, yeah, this this is perfect information. And this is going to be episode seven. So the best way to explore these videos, if you happen to catch number seven, is to go to the playlist, you know, start at episode one and work your way down from two, three, and so on. So my goal is to get 12 episodes of this series. And so far, I have two more coming up. So I'm getting very, very close. I'm excited. So with that being said, for the new series for human hybrids, would you happen to have any information that deals with human hybrids? Uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, there's, there, there, it's been showing up in my practice. It is okay. much, much, much more common than, than you would expect. It's a little bit stranger than, than you would expect. I mean, it's not, the people have the image of a human hybridization as sort of like, oh, maybe like a half, half alien, half like whatever, right, right. like this sort of notion that we have from the X-Files, that notion that we have from species or whatever, these media. Mm. But actually, one thing to understand is that uh, a lot of our genetics actually has been seeded here from these other races, that sort of thing. So it's not necessarily even like we would notice a difference, which is important to understand. We also talked about the different uh, densities or aspects of DNA. So again, there's the sense of capacity of having a, a mostly human, earth human DNA and extraterrestrial celestial sort of etheric DNA, that sort of thing. So that's where we get the experience of people looking, looking like human and not necessarily being what we would term. Again, there's this sense of uh, if any if if you if you're approaching this matter with the xenophobia, I would say not necessarily the right approach. Because now this is open minded on my side. This would be an open minded conversation. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, with that being said, when I create this new series for this, would you be would you be interested in being a part of it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to talk about it. Okay. It's, yeah. Perfect. Well, with that being said, I know this is probably about going to be about a two and a half hour video. So we're going to wrap it up and I want everybody to have a good time. Take care, take care of yourself, do that inner work. Daniel, is there anything else you would like to share to the audience before we wrap it up? No, but just thank Morning you. Mess. Thank you very much. Thank you for everything.